Welcome to another episode of Insights with Latrice. I'm your host, Latrice Kabuya. Today's guest is a true survivor. Yes, I can brag on her and tell you that she's a certified rehabilitation counselor or that she's a certified trauma and resilience practitioner clinical and that she does all this advocacy through social services, foster adoption, and group homes. I can even brag that she's a TED Talk speaker or that she's a best-selling author and international speaker. But what I admire most about Marcy is her resilience from trauma. Now listen, could you imagine sleeping while your mother-in-law is being murdered by your father-in-law down the hall? Yeah, that's her story. And she talks about it and how she had to deal with the trauma in her life. Again, my ask is that you lean in and understand how trauma doesn't have to be the end of your story, but the beginning of your healing. Let's learn how to work through trauma so we can live our best life. And I'll be back with my insight. Enjoy. Well, it is such a pleasure to have you, Marcy, here on Insights with Latrice. Marcy, let me make sure I'm saying this right. Pusey. 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 I was close. I know. It's special. Okay. (laughs) I get it. It's like Kabuya, you know. That's right. Yeah. But we've been talking and it's been such a good conversation. I have to get my listeners involved in you and your story. Um, It's such a unique story. And how you bring story to life and storytelling. But before we even get into Mar- um, into that, Marcy, tell me, first of all, thank you for being here. And tell me a little bit about yourself. Yeah. Well, on the front professional end, I guess I'll start there. I am a trauma and resilience um, certified practitioner, as well as a certified rehabilitation counselor. So I've done a lot of work in therapy um, fast adopt things. I have worked in social services for a long time, but then also we fostered children through the system in California, adopted two of those kids, birthed kids. We've been pseudo parents to kids. Um, and now over the last few years, I've been writing and speaking on themes that that have really been questions for me and themes I've had to wrestle with. So a number of books out there that were sort of more me asking the question, hey, anyone else? <laughs> and right. putting it out there and learning that there's a resounding yes, that a lot of us feel alone in various traumatic experiences, um, which we'll get into some of what those are. But so speaking and writing. And then for the last few years, I've really been digging into helping other people get their story into the world, uh, primarily through publishing. But I also ended up helping a number of speakers figure out how to integrate story into their messages and and learned that I'm good at it. And people kept saying that should be what I do. So I've now transitioned also into really some trauma-informed story coaching. Mm. So I help anyone who's looking to engage another human, whether it's through writing or a stage or whatever, to be able to find the stories in their own life to do that with. Because... That's where some of the brain stuff comes in. Like our brains engage story in a really unique way versus just facts. 
So I am loving that transition. I love getting to help people be heard because we know even today in, in the current culture um, of America that there's just been a lot of voices who haven't had a platform for a long time. And suddenly there's these opportunities to get your voice and your story out there. And I have had so much experience in those platforms that I can be a Sherpa of sorts to people who's like, man, I got a message and I know it's possible now, but I don't know the in-between. So I help with that. So that's professional. Um, and I guess the just the human part of me is I'm a mama to four kids. Two of those kids I, I mentioned are adopted through foster care. I have two children still at home, um, 13 and 11. And we've lived in Germany for the last nine years. We just moved back to California. So they feel pretty German, even though we've already talked about their heritage and ethnic background and cultural background is so rich and diverse. Um, so we're kind of navigating that in these preteen years. Who am I and where do I belong? Um, but I'm I'm also on my own journey still of figuring out who I am and where I belong. And those traumatic events and experiences that I've had have really been the the channel, the tool through which I've been able to see myself more clearly and begin to make decisions that are healthy and whole. And I'm sure so many people listening relate to that, how we can learn from the devastating things, (laughs) even though they still, you know, suck. (laughs) Yeah. 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 And, and you said something, um, those devastating things suck and we know that we understand that, but why is it so important to deal with your trauma? Yeah. So I'll get a little bit clinical. Okay. Um, The way that our brains are set up is such that when we experience a traumatic event, our brain then goes to work to determine whether that becomes lodged in our brains as trauma or whether it gets filed away as just something bad that happened that we can learn from. And that's what your brain wants to do. Every experience you have, every thing you watch or listen to, your brain is looking for story to, to see if there's anything it can gain for its own survival. It's just trying to keep you alive, right? So it's always looking for any kind of survival skill. But when it's been capped, maxed out, when your brain interprets an event as being a threat to your survival in some way. So that's where that fight, flight, freeze, now there's fawn, come in. That's when your body's trying to respond to an incident. And when you are in freeze, especially, your body has sort of given up. Like it knows that fighting's not going to work and fleeing isn't going to work. And so it freezes. And at that point, you sort of maxed out your brain's capacity and it becomes lodged as trauma. When an event becomes lodged, lodged as trauma, it stays in your emotional brain. It stays in your amygdala, which means it doesn't get filed to a time in history. So that's where PTSD might begin to make sense. Mm-hmm. to people listening is that they can have a sound, a smell, even just a thought that can bring them immediately back to the moment mm. that was traumatic for them and they will feel like they're in it again. We see this with children of trauma often, right? That it might be a time of year. It might be just the name mom that comes up and suddenly they're right back in the abuse they experienced. Everyone around them is saying, you're safe. 
You're right. fed, you're loved. Why are you acting crazy? Right. <laughs> it's because their brain has created an association and kept it present, tense all the time. So the brain is constantly ready to fight or flee or freeze or fawn. So why is it important to get to your question is that we can't function healthy in the present moment if we're not working through those traumatic experiences or the trauma, like even the trauma that has gotten lodged, we can dislodge. But if we're not aware of how or that it's even there or what what we can do, then it continues to impact everything about today, how we interact with the people around us, how we see and interact with ourselves, the decisions we make. Hmm. It's crucial. Yeah, because tell me if you agree with this statement if you don't deal with trauma it is going to manifest somehow some way and typically it's always negative yes true or false true i mean within the therapy world we would say if someone is over responding overreacting to something then it's never about that thing right so for example one day i had fed my kids dinner And these were my children of trauma specifically. So there's already a lot of baggage and tension around just how to raise kids who are constantly sabotaging love because the love triggers their trauma. That's a whole other conversation, right? But but for a lot of foster adopt homes, the very thing they need and the families want to give is the thing that triggers their traumatic responses. So lots of just high tension, everyone on guard, kind of situation, fed them dinner already. I walk into the kitchen and one of my kids is making, like cooking a hot dog. And I came undone. Like I was just way too upset about him cooking a hot dog after dinner. You know, like, well, you already ate. Why are you eating again? Why are you? And I'm listening to myself going, what is the big deal? Yeah. You know, it is not a hot dog. Like those are cheap, whatever. It's not the hot dog. And so... I had to step back because I was aware that overreactions are not about the thing. Yeah. I, that was my cue. I was able to step back and say, what is it? Well, you know, earlier that day I'd gotten an email from the school that he'd stolen something. We hadn't had a tra- chance okay. to address, like whatever, right? Like there was unaddressed yeah. things that were triggers for me. And now I'm trying to have a, like a normal human parent-child interaction and I'm making it about a hot dog. Yeah. Right? So with awareness, then I can come back and say, hey, I'm that was wrong. Yeah. of me to be so upset about the hot dog, I realized it's this. <laughs> and, we, yeah. and I want to address that in a healthy way and not like come at you through a hot dog. That kind of thing, it can be so simple, but we find ourselves overreacting or someone around us overreacting. And with that awareness, we can say, yeah, this is seeping out from something else. It's not the thing. Yeah, Let's get to the real thing. Wow, that's so good because that is so true. Many times when we do overreact, as we call it, there it's so much more than just that situation right there. And I think we have to identify and be honest with that. So what are some steps would you um, suggest that um, the listening audience who are has dealt with trauma or has not dealt with trauma, but has trauma history, what does that look like? A few steps that they can take um, to help resolve. Yeah, that's great. And you know, right now, all of us, all the entire globe has experienced traumatic events. For some of us, 
that might become lodged trauma, unprocessed trauma. And for others of us, it, it won't be. And it's not even really about the circumstance. It's our perception of the circumstance. Mm. So again, you see some people who are yelling in grocery stores because someone is or isn't wearing a mask. Okay, it's not about the mask. It's such a deeper thing about their fear and their perception of the harm, right? It's that threat to survival. They have a different perception than the person who's like, I don't need anything. I'm fine. And that's there's a place for that too, that their perception of the experience is different. But we still have this traumatic experience. So we're all in one. Every listener has experienced yes. a traumatic event. And that's just one thing in our recent history. That's not even talking about the civil unrest that we've experienced yes. or or the, the wildfires that we can forget about so quickly because of whatever. And then the elections, all the things. Yes. Okay. So on to the steps. I first wanted everyone to know you have experienced a traumatic event <laughs> in the last two years, for sure. And um, so when traumatic experiences come and we're experiencing them, the first thing is just to be very aware of the meaning that you're assigning to that experience. Mm. I talk about this in my most recent TEDx talk, and so I won't go a ton into it here. Um, That can be found on YouTube if you search me or on my website, marcypusey.com. Both are linked there. But I talk in great deal about how to heal from our traumatic experiences. And... And that first part is awareness around what this event means to me. So, for example, my, um, we talked about this earlier, my mother-in-law was killed by my father-in-law while he was in some kind of psychotic blackout. He has no memory of it to this day, but he did. He killed her and we were sleeping down the hall. And he woke us up. He called the police. He was in a daze. You know, there's a whole book on that that we wrote called While We Slept, Finding Hope and Healing After Homicide. So you can hear more of that story there. But here's an example. My husband and I both experienced the same event. But his perception of one aspect of it was different from mine. So, for example, what I the meaning I put on it was, oh, when I sleep at night, people can walk through my house and kill my loved ones. Mm. And I am vulnerable I'm not able to protect them. And therefore, sleeping is not safe. And I struggled for a long time to sleep. And if I did, everything was locked and bolted and I still was uneasy, right? Husband, same experience. But his perception of it was, this was really unusual. This was a unique circumstance. People don't normally walk around your house killing your loved ones. Sleeping is fine, mm. right? So yeah. that's an example. If, if in that moment I could have been aware of the meaning I was assigning to what happened, I could have worked my way through that or gotten specific yeah. help with a trained therapist to say, help me really come to truth about the meaning of this instead of just making up stories and then operating yeah. from the stories I met up. So. That would be the first thing I would recommend. I know that means slowing down thoughts and being very self-aware. Yeah. And that's hard. That takes time too. Yeah. But if you're in a moment just stopping to ask and say, what's the story I'm making up here? And Brene Brown talks about making up stories. I think I probably got that language from her because it's so helpful to say, I am making up a story. I don't actually have all the facts. Is my story helpful to me and serving me or is it not? Mm. And is it true or is it not? 
Do you have any questions about that before I go on to step two? <laughs> or oh, step it's, two? it's so good. It's so rich. So, right. yeah. Um, and so then my second suggestion, and of course there's lots more, but this, this sort of feeds into storytelling, is that when it does become trauma, for years and years and years, I mean decades, traditional therapy has treated it with talk therapy. Like if you can just talk about it, then you should be healed. And what we have found is that people are in therapy forever, right? Talking about it and still operating from these messages they've assigned. Or, I mean, there are some traumatic experiences that are so detrimental. Doesn't you know the meaning you assign to it is that it was detrimental. So don't judge people for their perceptions. Yeah. I say that in the talk as well. Um, but when it becomes lodged as trauma, we've been mistreating it for a lot, a lot of years, and we've now learned that the best way to access the trauma that hasn't been processed is actually through like our sensory brain, which is the oldest part of our brain that was the first to develop as we were growing in the womb. So it, that's why it's the oldest because it was the first part to develop, but it's very, um, yeah, sensorial. I mean, some might say it's like the animal brain, whatever, right? Yeah. So the way to do good work from that part of your brain is to do creative things that are not scripted and are not censored. And so what's cool about that is you don't even have to understand it. You don't need someone around you to interpret it. You just need to do it. So for some people that might be getting out a drum set and just playing anything that they feel. It's almost like you're letting your body act without any thought to guide it. And when you do that, you're actually finally touching the part of your brain that's just so deep in there and so connected to the trauma stuff that that it begins to organize some of the trauma things. And and as people do that, they'll find themselves feeling very emotional out of the blue, right? Because you're not having conscious thought, you're not guiding it, but they'll feel it. That could be free dancing, right? There's a workout I do with body grooves, and I love it because she gives some good guidance, but there's a lot of free dance in the dance workout and yeah. I have found myself at times weeping not no, I'm just free dancing I'm never gonna let anyone see that like it's so embarrassing because I'm actually just moving like she says yeah <laughs> but it is dislodging things that I don't even always understand now sometimes when I'm finding myself that emotional I can I can like what is that feeling what is it that I, is it a sadness and I can sometimes go oh it might be connected to this but at the end of the day it doesn't matter it is moving that trauma because I'm allowing my body, my brain, my soul, like the holistic part of my body to process something that it can't talk through. The talk part is a totally different part of the brain. It's your frontal cortex. It's it's a really important, powerful piece of your brain, but it doesn't dislodge trauma. And that's where traditional therapy treats is the part of the brain that's not holding the trauma. So Again, that can be like drumming, that can be free moving your body, that can be painting. So those paint nights, they became so popular during the pandemic, there was guidance. So it's not necessarily the same kind of help if you're just following someone. It's really letting your body just do what comes out. But people were just finding themselves drawn to it, right? So it can be through art, music, whatever. But storytelling is one of those things. For people to be able to free write or journal without censoring, even if it's about what's going on, it doesn't have to be, but even if it is to give yourself space to put into words on paper or to speak them out wherever, the fullness of what you're feeling and thinking without worrying about what someone's going to say 
or think about you or feel about you, that dislodges the trauma. And you can begin to feel, you can begin to feel the release of it, the lightness of it. You know, it's not magic. It takes time. It takes, it's hard to do anything with our bodies uncensored. We're constantly self-critiquing. Right. Right. So I know I'm making it sound really easy, but if, if listeners can find a space and I've tried to find these spaces where I can close the doors and be alone and just let the things happen, it is so powerful. Wow. And so with that said, I, I, there's two points I have for you or two points I want to make and have you respond to one is, so is it possible? And I don't know if this is the right word wording for it to get over trauma or to heal from trauma. That's one. Mm-hmm. And then the second thing I want to tap into the storytelling because this this is fairly new. I mean, it's probably been on the books forever, but we're really hearing more about the story storytelling aspect, especially when it comes to mental health. And yeah. so I, I want you to talk about that as well to my listeners. Yeah. So first question, yes, we can heal from trauma. We've just been treating it wrong for a long time. And depending on the level of trauma and the person's capacity, and awareness and support will determine how long it takes, right? It's not, again, for some, it can be quicker than others. It's not a quick road, but it's way quicker than what we've been doing. So if you've been in talk therapy and you're listening, you know, I, there is a place for it. I'm in talk therapy right now. Therapists need therapists. Yeah. <laughs> oh, just I therapists. agree. <laughs> Holy, just like doctors need doctors. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of benefit there. But when it's the kind of trauma that has really gotten lodged and in, in becoming like that post-traumatic stress, if it's impacting your daily life, um, I would find an expressive arts kind mm-hmm. of therapist. That's what is called an expressive arts therapist. I think there's not that many yet. It's still mm-hmm. very new to the conversation that this is what does it. Like you said, even the aspect of, of the importance of storytelling. You know, I think we've felt that storytelling does something. Yeah. You know, I think we've noticed that when we can share a piece of our story, we feel better. And when we see others inspired or encouraged, we feel better. So to a degree, I think we've had an awareness yeah. that there's power and importance, but not to the degree, not to real, like, so writing the memoir I mentioned earlier, while we slept, that began as journaling. That was me in a safe and private in quiet space, writing down the hard, hard things of each day, because that lasted three years of courts and legal things. We had to stay living in the home where that happened for three years until everything was resolved. It was hard, hard. And this was our, you know, we were just starting or about to start our second year of marriage. So we're young, we're just figuring this out and thrown into this situation. So those began as journal entries that gave me such a place to process. Like, so uh, Flannery O'Connor is a prolific author and she's quoted as saying something to the effect of, I write so that when I read what I've written, I can understand what I'm thinking. Hmm. And that is such truth for me specifically, that when I write something and then I'm rereading what I've written, I'm like, oh, I can see myself. It's almost like I've put myself on paper and I can see myself. Yeah. 
that's not necessarily true for everyone, but that book started that way. It was just me trying to look at myself in the midst of this crazy, abrupt upheaval and trying to figure out where I fit and how to navigate it. And then at some point, I had done enough work with my own pain and story and enough healing that it was at a place where I realized this is something to share. This is for other people who are going through hard things. And then when I began to get feedback from people who were reading it, it it really just added healing upon healing because now my story wasn't just hard where I overcame it and I can feel good that we overcame a hard thing, but now it's impacting other lives. And so it almost makes the pain we've experienced not in vain. Yeah. Like there's a value to it beyond just what it's done for us. Yes. So now that we understand more about the brain and story, we, we can see that, I mean, they've done brain scans. When you're listening to story, your brain almost entirely lights up. Hmm. It engages the entire, almost the entire brain. When you're hearing facts, only one small part is lit up. That's why we remember like 7% of the you know, yeah. lecture that we've been given. Yes. But we can remember a story forever. It's because your brain hears a story and says, okay, story has a journey. There's conflict, there's overcoming, there's learning, and there's probably something in this person's story that we can file away in case we ever need it to survive. And that's how I process things through story. Mm -hmm. I have to get a story of some sort and I can remember, remember or memorize it through a story. I've always been like that. So that's very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Your brain is working for you. It's saying, okay, here's the other thing. When we hear story, it releases dopamine and the endorphin. It's trying to drive you through your curiosity to pay attention. Because again, its goal is to gather facts, to make connections, to see any pattern so that it can keep you alive. Mm, that is so true because I have a very, I don't have a, what is it? Attention, a long attention span. Uh But if I hear a story, you got me. Mm -hmm. I'm there. I'm present. I'm in your space. Yeah. Wow. Because your brain is releasing all those endorphins and that dopamine to get you to pay attention because there's probably something you'll need from the story in order to stay alive. Here's the other thing about the brain and story. This is why I loved writing for children and, and, and encouraging others to do so as well. Story, when it, when your brain is lit up and it's engaging it and it's filing it away, it's yeah. lit up in such a way that it's experiencing what it's hearing. So we can give kids life experience through stories without them having to go out onto the street and have it themselves. Their body is experiencing the story and integrating the lessons of it from the safety of their home, their mommy's lap, their grandpa's lap, like wherever they are, or their classroom floor, they're safe, wow. but they're getting to experience the story, the hero in the story, having to make hard decisions, to overcome obstacles, to not get what they want, to get what they want, whatever it is. And all of our brains do that. All of our brains, when we watch a movie, listen to a story, we're in a musical, whatever, hear someone share something, our brain is responding as though we're there in that moment. That's why sometimes, you know, we jump or scream if it's a scary movie. Right, <laughs> right. we're and there, it, we're present. Yeah, wow. and then it follows us. I mean, how many people have gotten into a car after a scary movie and was sure there was like a murder right. in the seat, right? We're like looking back. And yes. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Why is that? Because your brain made a connection. It, it, mm-hmm. It's noticing the pattern wow. and it's trying to keep you alive. So now you're in the car. You've just now learned that sometimes people in cars like get their head cut off. So now your brain is activated to expect that someone, right? Yes. This is why. Wow, that's powerful. Not, not for any super holy reason, though I think there are holy reasons. I've really yes. restricted. Now I feel like a steward of my mind right? And of the minds of my children too, because if you know that your brain is actually taking the story that it's, that it's engaging with is life experience. Well, what life experiences do we want to give to kids at their ages? They should still be developmentally appropriate. They shouldn't be getting in a car worrying about someone in the backseat cutting off their head at nine. I don't want to at my age. So that's actually caused me to restrict access in some yeah. ways to the life experience I'll give myself yeah. if it's only going to cause fear, which we we never make good decisions out of fear. Yeah. That's that survival thing. Like the, it keeps you alive, but it doesn't make yeah. good decisions. Again, different parts of the brain acting there. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's, that's another really fascinating piece of how we interact with story. Wow. I mean, I could probably talk to you for about 30 minutes. <laughs> And really be listening, right? Because my brain is activated Uh and and is totally involved. But as we wrap up, a couple of things I want to talk about. One is um, the storytelling, and you do it well. And it definitely is part of um, a mental health journey many times. Um, Where can they find you? Where can they see you? Um, I know you mentioned YouTube and I have checked you out and it's absolutely, you're absolutely amazing, but give our, our listening audience some information where they can find you and up in any projects that are coming up or anything of that nature. Yeah. Thank you. Um, so marcypusey.com, M-A-R-C-Y-P-U-S-E-Y.com is a great place to find me. I get any emails that come through the contact form. When you go, there will pop up an option for a PDF that is specific to healing from trauma through storytelling. And so if you would like that free gift, I've put it there for that reason. I want people to be able to access this kind of help. So that's just free. You'll see that when you go there, it pops up. Um, both of my TEDx talks are listed there. The first one was on the power of story to shape our children. So I've touched on that. The second one was on um, healing from our experiences with traumatic events. But also my story coaching program is there. So if if you are someone who's like, man, I've really wanted to write a memoir or or do a TEDx talk or just tell my neighbor my story, that is what I do. I help people find, I listen, do a lot of listening. I listen for those stories. I make those connections. And then together we find what are the threads in your life that really drive you? Because you can't share your story until you've wrestled with it and healed from it to some degree. Mm. So a lot of people think that the reason they haven't written the book they've always wanted to write or spoken on the stage they've always wanted to speak on or whatever is because they're not good enough. When in reality, it's just they haven't sat with their story long enough and made peace with it. So that is some of the journey with story coaching is is looking at where those blocks are. Oh, sorry. Uh, can you hear that? It's okay. Turn it off. It's it's uh you know what? It's real life. It's it is okay. real life. I have all of my um. It it is okay. Trust me. I'm, Great. It, I don't it, even know it, where that's coming from. 
Awesome! <laughs> and all of my notifications turned off, and now something's ringing. Um, that is going to... I don't know how to... Okay. It is okay. Good! Welcome to real life, everyone. Yes. That yes. has been a traumatic experience, but no, I'm not assigning any meaning to being interrupted by a call to my worth or value. I am more than that interruption. Yes. <laughs> I'll tell you. Not take away from everything you've said because it's powerful. It's, you know what? It's, it's been so good. Thank you. I'll tell you real quick as we head out. Um, that last TEDx talk, when I was going to present on how to heal from our traumatic experiences, I was literally in the darkest night of my soul in my memory. I the, the previous months and then weeks leading up, I had begun to have panic attacks for the first time in my life because of some really emotionally, physically, mentally, spiritually, just yeah. painful losses in my life. And and I'm trying to memorize this message that I've written. And as I'm memorizing it, realizing like I hadn't even understood what it meant until I was memorizing it. Like I wrote it, but it was coming to life and I'm like weeping my way through it. And I'm thinking, I am the last person on the planet who should be getting on a stage, especially a platform like the TED stage, to talk about healing from your traumatic experiences when clearly I have not healed or overcome the ones oh. that I'm in. And I'm just... I'm dying. Like so many days I felt like I was dying. And so I get on that stage and I am unnerved. You know, I wanted oh. to show up in all this strength. Like I did. Yes. Here I am. I made yes. it. I'm going to do it. And I've got yes. the power of God in me or whatever. Yes. And it was not like that. It was messy. I was unnerved. I couldn't get myself put together or feeling calm. And I'm standing up there, and again, we're talking about how do we perceive traumatic experiences, right? Like, it crossed my mind. I made it through months and months of trainings and, and speakers getting cut in the rigors of this stage only to get up onto it and not be able to do it. Mm. And the temptation was to decide that that means I'm a failure and I'm a disappointment, and right? Like, that's the story yeah. we can create. Yeah. If yeah. I get to the stage and I don't do it perfect, then I am a yep. failure and a disappointment. But that room, community is so important because the room was so kind to me and so gracious and patient. And when I finished the talk, which there were points where I kind of fumbled through and they kind of massaged it for me. So you won't see those points <laughs> as clearly, but they pulled me off the stage and gave me a hug and I just cried. And, and there's a line in the talk where I say something like, not only have I treated people with complex PTSD, but I've needed treatment for complex PTSD. And I just, all of a sudden I had all this grace for myself. Like Marcy, the perception shifted. You're not up here failing and being a big disappointment because you can't calm your nerves. You are a woman who's recently been having panic attacks, who's had this emotional devastation and upheaval, who's still dealing with complex PTSD, and you're standing wow. on a stage still trying to help people. And the whole thing shifted so that instead of feeling humiliated, I felt humbled. Yes. But that was partly because the community around me made space for that. Right. Like we can work on our own perceptions, but if that whole community had been like reinforcing my message that I'm a failure and a disappointment, that's probably the one I would have owned. But because they were constantly reinforcing this message, like you are, this is like, you're, yeah. you're, you're here, you're showing up. Like it made yeah. space for me to do that. Okay. That was a tangent, but I wanted to give another example. No, that's good. That interruption. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's good. That's good. Yeah, more good. than that interruption. So thanks. 
friend for calling in the middle. I thought I have all my notifications off, but here we are. It's real life. So marcypuc.com. There's a free PDF. I also have a Facebook group. It's called Reclaiming Hope. You are more than your trauma. Um, and so if you just search that in the search bar, that will pop up. It's just a community of people who've been through traumatic experiences, finding a safe place to talk about it. And it honestly, it's, it's kind of a quiet group because I think trauma is hard. So it's more me popping in and giving resources and talking and people commenting. But to be honest, I've been a lurker on pages too, where I just was still so fresh in my own pain that I just needed to see that other people were navigating pain too and overcoming it before I found my own voice. And so you're welcome to that space. Um, it's a free group and, and it's, yeah, it's just meant to be a safe place where you can come wherever you are in the journey, say as much or as little as you need to, but know that you're not alone. So that's an option as well. So yeah, you can Google me and find me, but certainly just going to my website or to that Facebook group, you'll find me. I love it. The last thing, um, and I, I feel like I have to have you back, um, cause there were so many points, but I think that we would have made this probably <laughs> two hours. So I, I had to say, no, Latrice, just hold on, hold on. But, um, so I'm definitely going to have you back, but it, the one last thing, um, if you could give an insight for our listening audience, I mean, you've given some beautiful nuggets and wisdom and, and practical tools, um, that I know, I, I know for me, I've, I've learned from, from you today, just like, wow, okay, that's why. So some revelation has come just listening to you. Um, what's that insight that you would share with your listening audience right now? Yeah, I would say that you are more than whatever experiences you've had, even if those experiences were consequences of poor decisions you made. Mm. Right. It's easy when we're the victim to come to that conclusion, but sometimes we've made decisions and we just cannot ever believe that we deserve anything good because of it. And so I just want you to hear today that I don't even need to know your name or see your face. And I, without reservation, know that you are worth more than anything you've done or experienced. I also know that sometimes mustering up the belief to actually own those words feels impossible. And so I want you to know that Latrice and I have enough belief to share with you. If you can't believe it on your own yet, borrow ours. Mm. I've borrowed the belief of other people before and it's gotten me over some hurdles until I could have my own belief. So I'm speaking for you because I know you stand with me in that, that any listener is just like, I hear you, I cognitively get it, but I don't feel it. You don't have to. Yeah. Borrow our belief, lean into the fact that this is the truth. And when you can one day walk in it, um, that's the life transformation right there. Mm. Wow. Friend, this has been awesome. I appreciate you sharing space with me. I appreciate your expertise, but more importantly, just your your authenticity, just your honesty, um, your story. <laughs> totally appreciate your story. Yeah. And, and you now empowering others. Um, I've always believed that you could get over the trauma. It's, it's work yep. and it's not always easy work, but um, 
you definitely have given tools for those people who want to, but just did not know how, where to do it. And so this definitely will help them at least start the journey. I, I recommend to my listeners to really follow her, listen to those TEDx talks um, because she's a powerful woman of God and she's a force to be reckoned with and she knows what she's talking about and um, and her voice is strong and and so you you need to hear her, you need to follow her and get in her Facebook group because I think you said something key. Um, you may be fragile right now, yeah. but you, you need support, you need community yeah. and you need someone that can believe for you. Yeah. Sometimes we have to borrow someone else's belief and lean in and say, okay, I don't feel real good, but you got me. And, and that's what community is for. So once again, friend, I call you friend and I'm, I'm thankful, (laughs) thankful for you. Thank you for coming on insights with Latrice, because when I tell you this has been real life about real people, and it's been real good. I appreciate you so much. Thank you for having me. I don't take it for granted or lightly that you've shared me with people that you love and care for and are protective of. So the fact that you've given me a space means a lot. So thank you. You're welcome, dear. Well, I appreciate you all for listening. Thank you so much for another episode and this has been powerful man and i will have her back so don't you worry i don't need no emails <laughs> asking me telling me you know i promise you uh, we'll get her back on um with some more time and really delve into some other things that i think uh, will will help you guys so thank you for being a part of insights with latrice until next time wow this was deep Did you lean in? You okay? I know this was a lot to unpack, but it was necessary. My hope is that this podcast has given you the encouragement you need to deal with any trauma that has been controlling your life. My only insight today would be this, that you realize trauma just doesn't go away. Until you deal with it, it's going to show up. It's going to show up in relationships. It's going to show up in your actions, in your thinking. So take the time you owe it to yourself to seek healing. You can do this. I'm rooting for you. Thank you for listening to another episode of Insights with Latrice, where we talk about real life, talk about the real you, and we talk real good. Until next time.